Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 1030. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 West Truman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Hi, and thanks for joining us for service today. We really miss getting to see you and interact with you. So please interact with us in the video today. If you want to leave a comment or if you have an emoji or anything you want to leave there, please leave those things so we can interact with you and make sure to tell you hello. And Let's go ahead and pray. First, uh, if you have needs, you get those needs to Jesus Christ right now. And I'll give you a couple moments to do that and then I'll pray for us as a church. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for all your many blessings, Lord. I thank you for this service right now, Lord, that though we may not be united as a body, Lord, that we would be united in spirit in you. And Lord, I pray for all the many needs, Lord, globally, locally, personally, Lord, that you would Answer those needs, Lord, in the best way you see fit. And I thank you for it, Lord. Amen. God bless and enjoy the service. Good morning. Let's sing and worship God together. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow. In every chain will break, his broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power in fighting our battles. In every evil bow before him. Our God is the Lamb. Thank you. 
Thank you, Nate, for the beautiful worship music. This is Mr. Dave. Here in Kid Street, we've been looking at the days after Jesus' resurrection, after Easter. We come to a time where Jesus has started appearing to his disciples. Got me thinking, I'm a teacher. I teach third grade at Cordy Elementary School and from time to time, I hear stories that children tell, and sometimes I think to myself, I don't know if that really happened. I don't quite believe their story. Sometimes I talk to their parents later, and it checks out. The story was real. I have to remember to keep an open mind. Well, that kind of reminds me of when Jesus was appearing to his disciples and they didn't even recognize him. They were his friends, and they didn't even believe that it was him. He was sitting with them and telling them stories and reading them scriptures and breaking bread with them, and they didn't even think that he was real. He had to ask them to get up and come to him and touch him and look at him just so that they could see that it was him for real. In John 20, verse 29, he's talking to one of his disciples, Thomas, the disciple that doubted him out loud. And when finally Thomas said, You are my God, Jesus said to him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's the time we live in now. We don't walk and talk and eat and tell stories with Jesus. But Hebrews, it says it like this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jesus appeared to his disciples to give them faith. And he gives us the give, gift of faith if we receive it. So why don't you bow with me? And then we'll learn from the scriptures with Pastor Kevin. Dear Lord, we thank you for your son and for the gift of faith that he gave the disciples and that we can receive Help us to have faith in you. In these times we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Kevin here, First Baptist Church Independence. Continuing in our series on authentic faith, today we're going to talk about a faith that is based on purity of spirit. Purity of spirit is one of those things that it seems kind of vague, but what it means is it's not mixed with a lot of other things that would make it impure. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. One of my friends and I got into a, a heated discussion about good country music a couple of years ago. He was a bluegrasser, and by bluegrasser I mean acoustic music only, traditional melodies and harmonies, traditional songs, and no electric guitars, no drums, things like that. 
I tend to think that the best music, particularly the best country music, is kind of wild, almost rock music, lots of heavy metal guitar and bass drums and all those kinds of things. And we never did come to a conclusion about what we liked and didn't like, other than the fact that we both liked different things. His final thought was, he thought that bluegrass was the purest form of country music because that's what they had before people started adding things. I've thought about that a lot over the years. You know, that's a pretty good way of talking about something being pure. It's how it is before it gets diluted, before you start adding stuff. So when we talk about an authentic faith being a pure faith, maybe we need to talk about the faith that God gave us before we started adding to it and making it better and more human and all those kinds of things. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus talks to a woman at the well, and He talks to her about what pure faith and an authentic faith really is. Follow along with me in John chapter 4. I'll read verses 19 through 26. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know, we worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be as worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman came to find out something about Jesus. She had heard about Him, never met Him. But she came to find out something about them, and that was this. Jesus came to deliver a pure and untainted faith. When Jesus had this conversation with the Samaritan woman, they came from different sides of the fence in terms of what Judaism really was. Let me explain to you. Jesus came from Jerusalem Judaism. What that meant was it was, Jerusalem, it was Judaism based on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their teachings. It had the temple that was built as God directed. It was in Jerusalem where God wanted the temple, and it was done the traditional way, and everything was strictly according to the Old Testament Scripture. The Samaritans, on the other hand, were very different. You have to remember something politically. The Samaritan people were half-breed, mixed-race peoples. They were the refuse of different conquests over a period of centuries, and so they didn't really have a national heritage other than the fact that they didn't have a heritage, and that was their heritage. So what they did was, because some of them had been in some of the captivities with the Jews centuries before, they had a form of Judaism that looked and sounded like Judaism, but it really was a cheap imitation. The real Jews in Jerusalem, of course, hated the Samaritans because they were mixed breeds and because they didn't practice the legitimate faith. And the Samaritans, for their part, hated the Jews in Jerusalem because they knew that the Jews in Jerusalem hated them. So they hated them back to keep everything evil. It was all very sinful, very evil, but all very religious. Jesus talked to this woman. She said, I can tell that you're a prophet because of the way that he was talking about things and knew things about her life. And then they began talking about worship. And they brought up the idea of where they worship, and that was a point of contention there. Jesus understood the differences between Jerusalem Judaism and the Samaritan Judaism, and so did the woman. But instead of spending time arguing with her about that, he said a time's going to come when true worshipers 
will worship in spirit and in truth. What he was saying is, there will come a time when authentic faith will be supreme. And he essentially said, right now we fuss about location and building and genealogies and heritage. And all those things are important in a worldly sense. But Jesus made the idea clear. There's going to come a time when the things of this world really aren't going to matter. Interestingly enough, Jesus made the claim that he was Messiah that the woman was looking for. And he made it clear that this true faith that would be practiced by true worshipers was coming as they spoke. So Jesus saw himself as the author of this authentic faith. The woman had already talked to him about living water, and Jesus said he could give her living water. And so this was just following the theme of the conversation. So let's talk for a little bit about pure faith that Jesus talked about. And this was the idea and some of the ideas that he would convey to this woman as he talked about a faith that would be comprised of true worshipers. One of the things about unauthentic faith, and we've already talked about this, is the idea that salvation is in Jesus and it is for everyone. Some people get mixed up. They get religious, they want to do all sorts of things, and they take Jesus and add to it. Jesus plus right music, Jesus plus correct political views, etc. Jesus said that's all nonsense. Authentic faith is based on Jesus and the salvation that is in Jesus and His crucifixion and resurrection, and only in Jesus. All those other things become almost irrelevant. Another thing is that with those true worshipers, they have the indwelling Holy Spirit. All believers in Jesus have the Holy Spirit. This was radically different than anything they had ever considered. In both Jerusalem Judaism and Samaritan Judaism, they all had the idea that the Spirit was given to prophets for a time, kings for a time, and to the priesthood when they were in service. And it was a very rigid idea, and the Holy Spirit wasn't for everybody. He was only given to certain people at a certain time for certain types of service. But this new faith that would be practiced by true worshipers, Jesus said, would have the Holy Spirit given to everybody. What that meant was Samaritan Christians would have the Holy Spirit, just like Jerusalem Christians would have the Holy Spirit. If they practiced a true faith, Jews and Gentiles would be equal. Men and women would be equal. People of status and people of no status would be equal. They would all be equalized under the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. This was a radical change from anything they had ever heard. One other thing about this faith practiced by true worshipers there would be a calling to a life of obedience and love. This is something that some people seem to forget. Sometimes people think that as long as they got the religious stuff correct, they believe in Jesus, they go to church, then they can pretty much do whatever they want. And there were those themes in the early church, but Jesus made it clear, as do scriptures, that a life of following Jesus is a life of obedience to biblical teaching and the Spirit of God. It means love people. It means humble yourself. It means submit yourself to the leadership of the Spirit and teaching of Scripture. And the idea of controlling your speech and controlling your sexuality were sometimes foreign ideas. But to the faith that would come to true worshipers, obedience to biblical truth and the leadership of the Spirit was going to be paramount. A sense of purity of faith 
came from a faith that dealt with truly spiritual issues and disbanded with all the things of the world that are often so important. God calls us, and this is what Jesus was trying to get at, God calls us to a purity of faith that is driven by spirit and truth. Let me read verse 21 again to you. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You see, he was pointing out to the differences in location. The Samaritan woman thought that the real temple and the real presence of God was in Mount Gerizim. Jesus, representing traditional Judaism, had been taught that God lived in the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus said, though, that's all going to change. And again, he was talking about the indwelling Holy Spirit. Our bodies are the temple of the Spirit. In the Old Testament systems, both of them, the temple represented where God dwelt. The Holy of Holies was where the Holy Spirit was. But in the New Testament system, true worshipers would understand that the temple, the real temple where God's Spirit was, was us. You and I are living temples. Nothing like this has ever been considered before. Some say that Jesus was talking about in eternity it will be like this. I don't think so. Jesus was saying it's going to be like this pretty soon. And he was talking about after his crucifixion and resurrection, the new kingdom would be ushered in and things would change forever. The indwelling Holy Spirit would come to all after the resurrection. This is where Pentecost came in. And people would be given the Spirit, and they would be given the Word of God, and God would call them to a life of obedience, and things would be different from then on, because everybody was on a level playing field. All believers in Jesus would be the same. The purity of faith is untainted by worldly concerns. Let me give you an updated version of this. Sometimes in our culture, we say you can't be a Christian if you have this political view. For instance, I have good friends who say you can't be a Christian and believe in abortion. I also have friends who say you can't be a Christian and not believe in abortion. And it goes on and on with various political and social issues. We have to understand, and this is hard for some, what you believe about abortion does not determine your salvation. What you believe about the LGBTQ agenda has nothing to do with your salvation. Now, there are biblical teachings about those issues, and that's another sermon. But salvation is determined not by political views, not by social views, not by genealogies or religious practices. Salvation is determined by whether or not you submit to the crucified and resurrected Jesus. When you do that, you practice the authentic faith of Jesus. And it is true and pure and simple. So many things that have made it into our culture of religion in this world are simply worldly additions. So like my friend who liked bluegrass because it was simple in the way it was when it began, Jesus calls us to a faith that is simple, like when it began. Follow Jesus. Allow the Spirit to indwell in you and lead you and guide you and follow that spirit into a life of obedience to God. Jesus calls us to a simple and pure faith, directed by spirit and in truth. He calls us to baptism by immersion. He calls us to demonstrate our faith to the world. And He calls us to show our faith to others as we share a meal together. So what we're going to do now is celebrate communion. Now you remember, 
This is pattern after Jesus' last supper with his disciples. It was before he was crucified. It was that weekend. One final meal with his friends. He loved them and he taught them when you gather and you eat a meal, remember that the elements of the meal represent faith. He taught them this. The bread that they would eat would represent his flesh. The wine that they would drink would represent his blood. Talking about the crucifixion, wasn't he? You see, Christians have to be taught and reminded over and over that our faith is not based on buildings or political views or even religious practices. Our faith is based on Jesus and only on Jesus. Let me turn to a passage of Scripture. I'll move this out of my way. Why don't we pray together before we begin? Father, we thank you for your presence, for this gift of an authentic faith. Help us, Father, to continue to remember that our faith is based on the work of Jesus on the cross and nothing more and nothing less. Thank you for this faith, Father, and for the encouragement it gives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the Apostle Paul tells the story. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said this, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul continues the story. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's all right to have this communion be a religious ritual in church. I think Jesus is okay with that. But really what he wanted us to do is just... Whenever you get together with other Christians and you eat, be reminded that your faith is given to you, not because you're good people, not because you deserve it, but because you have entrusted your life to the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Let me encourage you. Follow Jesus with your life every day. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Trust the teachings of Scripture. They'll never lead you astray. And follow Jesus every day. And let other people see you following Jesus. Our goal is not only to honor Christ, but to honor Christ and lead other people to follow Him. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for service today. I hope you were blessed and that you were encouraged in the Lord. Don't forget to stay tuned to our Facebook and YouTube channels throughout the week for other information and other encouragement. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that we would go about our week, Lord, encouraged, Lord, and in a deeper relationship with you, Lord, and that we would encourage others because of it, and that your love would abound in our communities, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.